0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Welcome back into the Lions 24 7 podcast. Happy to be with you. I am Tyler Donahue. He is Sean Fitz, and it is signing day week here in Happy Valley. A big week on tap for these Penn State Nittany Lions. I've been holding a really impressive recruiting class. Going way back in this 2022 cycle, it looks like they're going to finish strong, keep a lot of these guys on board. There were some moments of adversity, no doubt, for the program, but nearly finalizing plans with a really impressive group. You heard from number one quarterback prospect in the country, Drew Aller, on our podcast here last week. If you didn't, go check that out about his upcoming signing day and early enrollment. This time, we're going to take a more broad view of the class in its entirety with Cooper Patagna, a guy who has a lot of background in Power 5 recruiting offices, most recently uh, with the Oregon Ducks up there in Eugene. Now on the, our team with 24-7 Sports as a recruiting analyst, he has a an opinion on who gets ranked where for us at 24-7 Sports, so his opinion carries a lot of weight here on the podcast. I encourage everyone to stick around for that conversation in just a moment, Sean. So we teased the signing day stuff, but... Like it has so many times, this podcast episode will start in the quarterback room.
0: Well, I mean, obviously we talk about Clifford for all year Um, and it's going to come back around and obviously some big news dropping uh, a couple of days ago. I don't remember if it was actually over the weekend or not, but a couple of days ago, Sean Clifford um coming back for his sixth year. And that's not particularly a surprise, Um, but he decided to come back for a sixth year and then on Monday morning. We've got a little bit of news from Taquan Roberson, not unexpected, obviously, um, but he's going to enter the transfer portal. So, starting to see those move that movement go along as we kind of expected it to happen. Um, but you got Clifford coming back, you got Roberson out, uh, Christian Veu is back, uh, and the two freshmen are coming in 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 January. So, just a little bit of movement right there, uh, just uh, setting our setting setting the table for the the new year in Happy Valley.
1: Sean and I hopped on on Saturday for an emergency podcast addressing the hiring of Manny Diaz as defensive coordinator. We briefly mentioned the news of Sean Clifford, promised more perspective on that on this episode. Uh, But I encourage you, in case you missed that over the weekend, because they don't normally come to you in the offseason on the weekend, Andrew Ivins, 24-7 recruiting analyst in Florida, also a former Miami Hurricanes beat reporter, uh, gave us a lot on Manny Diaz, what he means on the field, off the field for Penn State, a really solid conversation with him. Also about some of the Florida recruiting storyline lines for the Nittany Lions. But Sean, going back to the news, which surfaced on Friday from Sean Clifford, uh, fortunate enough to have a quick conversation with Sean on Saturday afternoon um, up at the uh, Calvary Church in Bullsburg here in Happy Valley. Um, had an event there where he presented a $15,000 donation uh, to the Big Fr- Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Center County and if people have followed some of Sean's charity work in the community, really important, and he did this in Cincinnati. He had a, a little brother uh, that he still t- stays in contact with. Now that kid is at high school age, and he's got one here, a young man named Aiden that I had a chance to meet. It was really cool, for one, to get a chance to talk to Sean outside of a setting where he's either being grilled after a difficult game or he's got 30 people on his face uh, you know, on a Zoom call. A little bit more at ease, a lot more at ease than we normally expect. Part of that, because he was in his comfort zone. He was making a lot of kids happy up there um, on Saturday afternoon. But I think he's relieved because he's got this decision out and, and aired publicly three weeks before they finished the season in the Outback Bowl. He said at the forefront for him is finishing this this season on the high note. Uh, and then they feel like they have a chance to really do some special things in the offseason. He told me, Sean, that chance to be uh, have the same offensive coordinator back to back years. He brought that up unsolicited. He said that was very appealing to him, that continuity with Mike Yurcich, And he understands year six, a guy who's going to be 24 years old next year, going to have eight olds in this uh, quarterback room here in just about a month. He gets it. He's got to be an extension of the coaching staff. He's probably going to be unfathomably a four-year team captain. Um, But he's really going to have to be essentially an assistant coach in that quarterback room because it looks like it's going to be Sean Clifford in year six and then three guys with freshman eligibility.
0: Yeah, you think about that, there's a lot of medals on that chest plate there with four potentially a four-time team captain, four-year starter, um a guy that's been around a long, long time and he said to you that he made this decision, you know, fairly recently, um but I think it's been trending that way for a while and it's good that he got it out of the way now because, you know, you you think about the times uh, you know, with, that we've had with bowl media days or after the bowl game or just in the days leading up to the bowl game, how it can be a distraction for everybody for him to get this out there and and get it uh get Get ahead of it. It was a good thing for him, and and I agree. I you know you watch the video. He does seem more relaxed. He does seem like he he knows what he's doing, and 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 you know you can't uh, can't really blame him for taking that opportunity. Um, be interesting to to see what kind of dynamic comes in as as, as we said the, the the transfer portal is. Is crazy when you think about just taking somebody and making them a band aid, especially for what you think you have in that quarterback room for the next couple of years with, with you, with, uh, the, um, with the freshman as well. So, um, you know, I kind of, I, I like it. I understand the criticism of, of Clifford and, and obviously needs to be better and needs to be healthy and, and things like that, but, um, made some, some serious strides this year. Um, early in the season. So, um, I, I get it. And I I hope that there is an opportunity for those younger guys to learn and soak in from him, but also compete with him. And, uh, that's a big question because James Franklin, you know, um, you know, 60 year senior multi-year starter, very comfortable with, with Sean Clifford. Um, are they going to get that opportunity? So that's my big thing going into it. And I kind of said that on the Saturday podcast. And if you're wondering like watching my face during that first thing we were talking about the Clifford stuff. I'm like, we've talked about this before. I had completely forgotten. We did a podcast on Saturday. So definitely check that out. Um, It's not on YouTube. So we apologize to our YouTube people, but uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the spring plays out with those guys, how many reps uh, they get and, 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 just learning beside him, getting in the weight room, getting into those workouts and things like that. You learn how to compete. And I think that, you know, that could have been something that was really lacking, especially with with No Roberson, um, who we talked about, entered the portal this morning. Um, not a surprise, but I, you were wondering if he was how close he was to getting his degree. He's been here for three and a half years. Um, so I think that probably was the lone holdout. It wasn't like you were waiting for him to come back and compete for the starting job. You were thinking, is he going to wait until January, extend his college career and then go get a degree. He already got a, an offer from UConn. So um, good for him. I wouldn't be shocked to see him end up at UConn. So, but those moving parts in the quarterback room, I think it's uh, it's, it's going to be uh, much better in January uh, from top to bottom and a lot more talented, uh, especially with, with Drew Aller and uh, Bob Prabula coming to the mix and, Maybe you get over that hump if you're Penn State. That's been something you you, you wrote in your story about Roberson, which, by the way, you wrote in October. I had to do some last-minute editing on that this morning. Um, I woke up this that,
1: morning, took a, took a nap while the baby was taking a nap. Woke up and I had written a story and published it. So remarkable,
0: that's some fantastic work, man. Um, but you look at the uh, the quarterback recruiting, and you've got Roberson, you've got Michael Johnson Jr., you've got uh, Micah Bowens, who's at in basically obscurity in obscurity at Oklahoma right now. Um, it's really been tough because you you know even with Will Levis, you you got something out of will levis but you know he's a starter at kentucky now so just the the, the consistency or lack of consistency at, at, at quarterback recruiting has been something that has plagued this program for a long time and you've gotten lucky and gotten three years out of of mcsorley you've gotten three going to be four years out of clifford so those guys have been around for a while um, but you haven't gotten that guy that's gotten you over the hump and you know playing the odds here, you probably have a better chance of that in 2022 and moving forward with the talent you're bringing in.
1: We've seen um, a lot of movement with the offensive coordinators under with Sean Clifford here. Two of them have become head coaches. Joe Moorhead just became a head coach again, but uh, we haven't seen an overhaul in the first year for an offensive coordinator like we've seen with this quarterback room. Mike Yersuch had four quarterbacks on scholarship when he took the job last January. He has four quarterbacks on scholarship this January we project but only Sean Clifford is the constant inherited that group last year with Will Levis, uh, Micah Bowens, Taquan Roberson uh, quickly within about a week or so, Christian Veiu enrolled as a true freshman and went out uh, and, and got uh, this three-star quarterback went up being the number one quarterback in our rankings name, Drew Aller to, to tag along with, uh, with Bo Prabula in this class. And so you think about how much from, from last January to this January, that room changes. And I think, it is a better room. I know Will Levis did some special things down at Kentucky this year. Uh, Really impressive, and congratulations to him for doing that. But, you know, Will Levis is really the only guy in this quarterback room who has legitimately challenged Sean Clifford for game day reps, starting reps. I know we like what we saw from Vayu late in the season when Sean had the flu, but before that, you know, this is three seasons where Will Levis briefly planted a starting lineup last year, lost that job in one half against Iowa. Aside from that, it's been just kind of Bodies on the practice field when you look at the grand scheme of things and how some of these other quarterbacks were going to factor into potential Big Ten championship battles for this program. So, right now, I think the overhaul looks good. But once again, it feels like every single offseason is certainly here. Sean Clifford's at the crux of this thing and what you can accomplish in the short term. I love long term what they're doing here, but it's still Sean Clifford's show until someone proves otherwise and they'll get their first opportunity here with 15 spring practices because both these guys. Bo Prevula, Drew Aller are enrolling early, and Christian Veyu is going to do everything he can to keep momentum
0: rolling from late in the season. I'm very curious what they use bowl rep uh, bowl practice reps look like, because that's an opportunity for him to sort of get ahead of it. Um, just look at the makeup of the quarterback room. You've got Clifford who, um, you know, is more, I don't, I don't want to just break him down to dual threat and pro style, but that's kind of how we've done it in the past. We don't really do that with 24 seven sports anymore. Um, but you've got Clifford who has, has shown uh, an ability to be an athletic quarterback Um, Veyu has, has done some nice things athletically, but probably more in the pro style Aller in the pro style. And then, um, you know, Probula obviously a a dual threat guy. Um, so you've got a nice little mix. You've got a couple of, uh, of good guys that can maybe do some different things. And, And if you have a change in your offense, if you have something where you have to adjust and, and no disrespect to Will Levis, you knew you had a bulldozer. And that's about all you knew about him. I think, you know, a little bit more about the varied skill sets that you have. So, um, very encouraged with what we've seen um, with the building of the quarterback room. It took a while to get here and it, obviously some bumps along the the way Um, that's been tough, but I really uh, think that they're finally getting to where they need to be. And that's uh, certainly going to be something that we watch over the next couple of years. And we'll see if we're right. We'll see if we're wrong. We will see what happens, but right now we're going to see Cooper Patagna who is with us with 24 seven sports as a national analyst, um, we sat down with him last week. You're going to notice the wardrobe change if you're on YouTube. We sat down with him last week, talked about Aller, talked about probula talked about a bunch of guys, especially at the top of that class and a couple of sleepers. Um, really interested to get his uh, opinion on things. We'll talk to some more guys with signing day coming up on Wednesday, but for now we're going to leave you with Cooper Patagna.
1: Signing day approaching very quickly, the early signing period, which of course now is the main platter, the main course of everything on the recruiting calendar at this stage. Cooper Patagna has a great feel for the recruiting calendar. Uh, former Power Five staff member in the recruiting department now doing great work with us at 247 Sports, part of the rankings council and breaking down all the next wave of college stars, including a bunch here coming in the 2022 Penn State class, a lot of expectations. Cooper, before we get to the Penn State uh, class and, and and who stands out, thank you for taking some time. I know you're being pulled in a lot of directions right now.
2: No, I appreciate it, man, always, and uh, happy to get in front of you guys, finally get to meet you guys, and talk a little bit about Penn State's uh, phenomenal recruiting class this year.
1: Before we do get to this Nittany Lions group, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your path to becoming a national recruiting analyst here with 24-7 Sports? You're still fairly new to the company, but you are not new to the recruiting landscape.
2: Yeah, it was uh, fairly a a, a winding road, um, you know, but uh, last year ended up getting out of uh, the personnel side of things. And and before that, I spent um, 2020 with Mario Cristobal at the University of Oregon, was a director of recruiting there. And then two years with Chris Peterson as a director of player personnel at the University of Washington. Uh, And just really kind of been bouncing around ever since. So. one year at Michigan as a recruiting coordinator. Before I left for the University of Washington, two years under Tommy Tuberville at Cincinnati uh, as an assistant uh, in the recruiting department, and then started my career uh, at the University of Alabama uh, in 2014 as a recruiting intern. So for me, it's been a it's been a really unique journey, uh, not only geographically, uh, and, and really kind to of get to explore different philosophies uh, from a lot of. Uh, I've been very fortunate, a lot of great coaches around the country and see the way that they, they do things and the way that they operate. Uh, and now for me, uh, another great opportunity being on, being on the media side with you guys,
0: you're probably getting a little bit more sleep now, not working for Mario <laughs> and, and all those other guys, um, in terms of that, but uh, wh- what's the change like for you? I mean, it's I it, I don't think people understand how hard and how much, um, people in those in those positions work because it's it's more than a it's more than an eight hour day that's for sure it's often twice that but what's that grind like
2: it's been different um you know it's been it's been healthy in terms of my quality of life and for me you know i'm from new orleans louisiana and uh it always seemed that the places that uh, i ended up were, were far away from home so for me living in birmingham alabama now having the states of alabama mississippi tennessee uh in terms of regional coverage that's been great, it's been refreshing. You know, I'm a, I'm a big uh, family person at heart and I think anybody would say that. Um, but, you know, in terms of the hours on the other side of it, it, it's all in and it's certainly a commitment. Now, you know, the way recruiting is nowadays, I, I feel for these guys, there's a lot of strain behind the scenes on these departments and, and people who are uh, uh, overseeing these departments and, and recruiting alike. Uh, just what we've seen with the transfer portal, the, the mass quantity of names um, that have entered here over last year, that we've seen an uptick in that name, image, and, and likeness as well. Um, so I think we're kind of growing. College football is changing rapidly. And what we're seeing is outside of a, a handful of universities and administrations, you know, a lot of there's this big lag in terms of adjusting to that. It's really kind of wait and see mode right now. But the people that get caught up in that, are usually staff members so these guys you know i talk to a lot of them stay in touch with a lot of them um, this is a really difficult time of the year for them really in december transitioning into the second signing uh period as well
1: yeah you're trying to have answers for your family too uh and and that's a difficult part of this and you're trying to get to the finish line with the recruiting class and. Here at Penn State, Cooper, uh, you know, despite a lackluster season on the field, they have managed to keep it together. And and the storyline here is the quarterback. Um, they've got a couple coming in. We're going to ask you about both. But well, we have to start with the number three overall player in the recent top 24-7 rankings, and that is Drew Aller out of Ohio, the number one quarterback in these rankings Tell us where you come down on that and what the conversations have been like and his rise in these rankings, because he was a three star when Penn State offered back in January.
2: Yeah, sure. And uh, credit to Penn State and their identification and evaluation process, what they've done uh, behind the scenes in, in James Franklin. But, uh, you know, with him and, and why he's had this rise and, and shot up the board. Um, really because there's nobody like him in terms of his physical traits. And what I mean by that, it's hard to find a lot of quarterbacks around the country that are 6'5", 230 pounds plus and are able to kind of do the things that he's able to do. Um, And what I mean by that, he's he's more than just a pure pocket passer. I think his athleticism, I think his feet, his pocket awareness, what he's able to do and create off-schedule opportunities for him uh, is kind of what is why there's this really – Uh, high level of intrigue uh, with a guy like Aller. Now, the guys behind him, I think, are important to bring into context of the quarterback conversation as well. There's Cade Klubnick uh, committed to Clemson, um, who is really more of, you know, I don't don't like really kind of getting in the players type, but in terms of how it's kind of like more Mac Jones. Like I I look at this quarterback class and there's a lot of similarities to the quarterback class uh, in the thought process that went into this 2000 in 21 NFL draft, you know, you look at at the top of the board and, and, and then the guys that uh, were drafted there, uh, you know, Trey Lance in San Francisco. And there was kind of this internal discussion whether San Francisco would lean towards a guy like Trey Lance, who had one season and in, in 17 uh, starts under his belt at North Dakota State versus a guy who was well-established like Mac Jones uh, at Alabama. Um, and I think there's that that's Same level of kind of intrigue as well, right? You can throw Zach Wilson in that category. Um, So I think Aller, what we've seen, and I I do want to hit on this, the leap in production from what we've seen from his junior year to his senior year has been exactly what you want to see as an evaluator. I mean, 48 touchdowns, seven interceptions, over 4,000 yards uh, passing. Uh, There's a lot to like about this young man. I think the only knock on him right now 60% completion rate. You want to see that number go up, but we'll get into this more Penn State with a really strong running game. The guys that they're bringing in between Nicholas Singleton, Kate Allen, what they're doing on the perimeter, Caden Saunders, uh, these type of guys, those are going to be the key, whether or not Drew Aller's going to be successful. Ultimately at the next level, he's an incredibly talented player. I think Penn State honing in on that process, bringing in uh, some formidable talent around him, building this the right way.
0: Have you gotten a chance to look at Bo Probula? I, I think people kind of see him as an afterthought, but uh, he's been incredibly productive in, P- in Pennsylvania. And you know, sometimes the, these things flip themselves on their heads when we talk about recruiting rankings and, and quarterbacks and stuff like that. So, have you gotten to take a look at Bo Probula or heard anything about him that would um, make you think that he could make a challenge? Or, or you know, I, I think I don't think anybody's confusing him as a physical talent with with, with Drew Aller.
2: But still, there's there's a lot to like there. Yeah, got to got to watch him last night. You know, before we hopped on the show, obviously we we, we discussed the talking points uh, of what we're going to talk about here today. He's a name that came up. I hadn't seen him honestly. Uh, spent some time on him last night. Really kind of got to dive into him a little bit, and I thought he was interesting. And like I said, I think it's often sometimes lazy that we throw out other names when when watching these guys and comparing these guys. But I look at him, and, and you see a little bit McSorley, right? Like the the arm talent uh, is adequate. But in terms of the pocket movements, uh, his intuition, the the ability to improvise and make things happen outside of the pocket, there's a lot of intrigue there. So I think with them, I'd I'd love to be a fly on the wall in terms uh, of Penn State's thought process. Obviously, uh, Prabula uh, committed, I think, I believe back in August of 2020. So he's been committed for quite some time. Um, But I can certainly see the intrigue with a player like that. Sometimes you just take the player because you believe in him and there's conviction there and you know, he's something and the projection comes later in the process. Uh, I get that feel with him and the type of player that he is. There's something there. He's got excellent short area quickness. He's very quick twitch in the pocket. I think it's going to be up to Penn state obviously to figure out where he's going to fit at the next level.
1: Cooper, you've got that McSorley comparison in common with at least one other person, and that would be James Franklin because he brought that up very early on in the recruiting process. We've mentioned it quite a bit here on the show, and I know a lot of Penn State fans see that flash on the film. Very different athlete, very different quarterback than Drew, but you've got two guys here, and they've been bought in on each other and and, and realizing it's going to be a tandem. It's a quarterback room that is light on scholarship uh, right now, And, and so these two guys are going to come in and essentially double the numbers right away. Can you talk about what it's like to try to construct a two-quarterback class, the challenges, and maybe the kind of guys that need to be involved for it to work out?
2: Yeah, it's difficult. You know, the the last two guys that I could think of, and I was trying to wrap my head around this last night in this thought process, were Tua Tungavailoa and Mac Jones. Uh, it worked out uh, exceptionally well for both those guys. But I think – You know, they they really one of the two guys has to go against the grain in terms of modern day society. (laughs) They have to be a team guy first in a society that preaches individualism. Uh, And there's not a lot of that anymore. So uh, hats off to both those guys in terms of buying in on that. We'll obviously see what happens on the next level. Um, But in terms of balancing that out. And I'm sure, you know, on James Franklin and Penn State side, uh, there has to be a vision for both of those guys that they're bought into. Um, that they would be committed uh, at the next level in terms of going to Penn State, that they would feel very comfortable uh, with their trajectory as well. Another five star in that backfield. You mentioned Nicholas Singleton a little bit ago.
0: Um, he is a guy that's consistently hopped up the rankings and and now is inside that five star threshold. Um, I, I know that we've had other guys on that have talked about him and, and, and blew him up with praise, but what have you seen from Nick Singleton that that makes I mean, is he your top running back in the country and 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 what makes him so highly regarded?
2: Yeah, without a doubt. Uh he he was a no-brainer. He was definitely a guy that I think, you know, there's a lot of different I would say buckets uh, in the evaluation process that you go through from the physical makeup uh, to what they do on the field um, to certainly, uh, you know, the intangibles as well. So, and I think Nick Singleton, the more homework you do on him as a football player, the more comfortable you feel as an evaluator uh, and he checks every box. So what we call that is really a clean player, uh, you know, at five 11 plus over 200 pounds, he's a, he's a sub 10, 900 meter, uh, in, in terms of the track and field, which is really good for his size. I think you see that and you get excited. And then you see the football player that he is on the field as well. Great vision, excellent feel for the game. He's a guy that can beat you between the tackles or outside the tackles, So he's got perimeter ability as well. I think he's got really good vision, instincts, his ability on contact as well. And after contact is something uh, that certainly he has separated himself uh, from the rest of the pack. But the thing is like, I have this term, you know, synchronized players, right? They play as fast as they process. Uh, Nick Singleton is one of those guys uh, in terms of the way that he plays and his play speed. He's a very decisive runner. Um, you know, there's not a lot of wasted movement with the way that he plays, um, and he plays exceptionally fast. On top of that, he is fast. Um, so you combine those two uh, in terms of the mental processing power, the instincts, in the field with his physical traits. Uh, he's as talented. As any back in the country, that's why he's sitting there at number one. And I feel very strongly and convicted about him that he's going to be able to have an impact day one at Penn State.
1: You said you don't love making comparisons, but you already gave us one at quarterbacks. But can I ask you for maybe one on Singleton? And then as we carry over to for Allen and get into him, does he kind of remind you of anyone you've come across on the recruiting
2: trail in the
1: past decade or
2: so? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I if I have one on Singleton. I'd, I'd have to honestly do a little bit more digging on that. But, you know, k Allen, I'm kind of looking at the fit there and it's like, you know, I'm looking at the toolkit for for Penn State and and what they have bringing those two guys in. And and Katron Allen, in, in his own right, uh, is a very, I would say, underrated athlete uh, in the player that he is. He's a sub 4'7 guy in terms of the 40s. He's got great short area quickness. I think he was a, a sub 4'2 in the short shuttle. Uh, But he is a north-south power back who's probably the most physical back in the country. So uh, I think the combination of those two at the next level, you'll have the change of pace with Catron, who obviously uh, we'll see kind of more in the short area, whether that's uh, short to intermediate downs or in the goal line packages. But those two will play well off each other. Uh, You know, the thing is with with Singleton, he's an all-purpose back that can do Pretty much everything with three down value uh, has the ability as a receiver as well. Uh, but to have that luxury to bring in somebody like Ktron Allen, uh, who's going to be the next guy that you bring um, off the sideline, um, that's something, you know, uh, because for these defenses, especially once you start to get late in the game, uh, to have a guy like Katron Allen who's coming in fresh is just something else that you're going to have to game plan for. You've
0: mentioned him a couple of times now. Caden Saunders seems to jump out to you in a way that uh, he's a guy that t- the speed is is certainly there, but also is a skill guy that could possibly you know break a rotation that's not very deep right now. Um, what do you think of Saunders and any of those other uh, wideouts jump it, out at you from Penn State's class?
2: Yeah, I think you, you look at Caden Saunders, and, and one of the things that has consistently jumped out with him throughout the process is his ability to separate. I think he's amongst the best in the nation in terms of being able to separate, you look at him as a short to intermediate route runner uh, and the ability that he has. That jumps out on film and everything that he does in terms of being able to create consistent separation in that part of the field. Where he really took that next step for me was the UA Future 50 in June. You get to see him against some of the the most elite competition in the country, and he was absolutely dominant in one-on-ones. You know, I don't think he's going to... Uh, run past you in terms of the long speed. He certainly has uh, another gear there, but where he's going to be really good. uh, And for Drew Aller, I think this is really important is going to have a safety net in the middle part of the field that can consistently separate. Um, So that's a guy, you know, Anthony Ivey's obviously another guy that uh, we've studied. um, And there's certainly some positive traits with him as well, but, but Saunders, uh, for good reason, has been a guy that uh, we're going to continue to monitor, and I'm excited to kind of see his progress at the next level.
1: The, I know Penn State fans are listening. The wide receivers sound fun, the running backs sound fun, the quarterbacks sound great, but is the offensive line going to get better to support everything else that needs to happen offensively? The top guy on the board for their offensive line class is Drew Shelton. He spent a little bit of time at IMG Academy, but uh, for the most part, he has been Pennsylvania's premier lineman in his class year in 2022. What do you see on the film with him, and um, where do you project him at the next level?
2: Well, he's he's certainly an intriguing prospect. You know, I think he is more projection than production right now. What I mean by that is there's a little meat on the bone. He's going to have to develop at the next level, um, even as short of a time as he spent at IMG. I do think that time for him there uh, was beneficial for him. Uh, but he's a good-looking prospect. Listen, he's six four and a half. He's two hundred ninety pounds plus. He's one of these guys who's going to add. 15 to 20 pounds to his frame. Uh, He's got elite arm length. He's got really good body and foot quickness. Uh, This is a guy that I think, you know, a couple years down the road, I wouldn't be surprised if he's sitting in that day one, day two category. For him, um, you know, he's done a really good job improving from his junior to his senior season in terms of what he's been able to do in the run game. He's uh, certainly very athletic, can play in space, play at the second level. Um, For him, there's a lot of developmental upside there. I can see the intrigue. Uh, with Penn State, he's just going to have to be a more consistent player and round into that. Uh, But if you're Penn State, 10 out of 10 times you're taking that guy, uh, and he's just a big ball of clay, which I think is really exciting for them.
0: Defensively, uh, the top guy on the board for Penn State, uh, deny Dennis Sutton, uh, had a year off, didn't play as a junior, so not a ton of film floating around on him. Also dislocated his elbow to open the season this year. But uh, there's something there. I don't believe – he traveled much in terms of the camp scene or anything like that. But um, what have you seen from him? What have you seen from him with the the numbers and and things like that that make him jump out?
2: Yeah, Penn State does an excellent job, especially in defensive line identification and the evaluation process. But this is another 6'5", plus 250-pound defensive lineman, kind of five technique that can stand up and do a lot of different things as well. So, um, you know, he actually did get on the circuit, I, I believe, in Baltimore in May and he was really impressive. He had an excellent uh, on-field workout. He did really well in the agility part of it and then uh, performed really well in the one-on-one circuit. He he has been able, I think a big thing for him, like you said, didn't play a lot in in his junior season. Senior season, he's been able to take all that momentum from the camp circuit over the summer uh, and really bring that onto the field, Uh, and he's done certainly well there. You know, With him, I think he is a very smooth mover. He plays a little bit high at times, times uh but that's expected really kind of in that part of the country and what you're getting there are some flashes there that you see a little bit of jason Oway, a little bit uh, but i think similar to, to drew shelton this is going to be a guy once he gets in the program gets within the structure of the strength and conditioning program who'll benefit from that it might be two years down the line but this is certainly a guy that will, will have an impact uh at the next level
1: this is a Quite the deep class for Penn State. There's a lot of names we could go through, but you don't have an hour to spare for us right now, and we get it. Um, So when I sent you a list of a few guys we had to hit, and we got through that, I asked you who else stands out. You went right to Cam Miller out of Jacksonville, the cornerback who committed during the summer commitment spree for Penn State. Um, Why was he the name you went right to? Because like I said, it's, it's a pretty deep group, and I wouldn't have been surprised if you went in a bunch of different directions.
2: I think, you know, for me, like just even in my individual process and we'll talk about it uh, a lot next week, kind of on on Wednesday on the signing day show and uh, down there at CBS headquarters. But, you know, one of the things you'll hear me say a lot is, you know, increasing the floor of the players. So the more boxes you check, similar to how we talked about Nicholas Singleton, the more things you do. the less, it, it, I, I guess it, it's harder for you to fail when projecting at the next level. That's really kind of ultimately what it comes down to. And I look at Cam Miller and I look at the type of athlete he is and what they ask him to do, not only in the secondary, but he's a three phase player uh, playing down in, in, in Florida. Um, So this is a guy that does a lot for his team, whether that's Wildcat quarterback, whether it's running back receiver, uh, can play corner or safety in the secondaries, returning punts and kicks as well. Uh, So I think the position versatility, I think uh, the intellectual strain and demand that's like that uh, just means that they're able to handle that. These are usually the guys uh, that are mature enough and have a good enough understanding um that this is somewhat of an indicator that they'll be contributing sooner rather than later at the next level i think you see all those things with him uh and at the end of the day you know it's just one of those rare guys you look at put in quotation marks and you're like he's a he's a football player that's what he is um so that's what i like about that kid and i think penn state's done a tremendous job i mean aller number one quarterback in the country singleton number one running back in the country they've done a really good job uh in terms of the fit of the class it's very easy for me to see turning on all these guys film how these guys complement each other uh and certainly an exciting time to be a nittany lions fan
0: you look at Penn State's class and, and we see some guys with 24-7 sports that we we have as four-star guys that the composite maybe doesn't um, or is very close right on that line, that half, 90 line or whatever. When you're in meetings and you hear guys, Abdul Carter, um, uh, KJ Winston, a couple of these other guys, is there anybody that you heard of and you checked out and you're like, okay, maybe, maybe you take a step back and say, okay, this guy's maybe a little bit better than we thought uh, when you go through this process?
2: Yeah, I don't know if there's anybody that kind of pops up individually. I know there's been a lot of kind of internally. It's like, you know, what's the difference between that 89 and that 90, right, in terms of that, that caliber, what's going to put them over the top and put them in that four-star range? And I think what we want to do is keep a really objective lens and make sure that we're asking the same questions that a lot of these staffs behind the scenes are asking. Um, you know, and, and really what we've done is kind of tweaked our process in terms of, really relying more on height, weight, speed, uh, and physical traits. You, you will hear us talk more about track and field data, multi-sport data, all these things that are transcendent, not just to Saturday, but the Sunday in terms of indicators of projecting, whether these guys are going to be successful at the next level. So, you know, everything that I talked about really is like the, the, I guess, when I come back to Penn state, it's not just the fact that these guys are good football players, they're prototypes. You know, like Drew Aller is completely separated from the rest of the class in terms of NFL makeup. That's why he is where he is. You know, there's, there's, there's this bubbling potential with him that nobody else in the class at his position really possesses outside of Malik Murphy. And I would say those two, um, you know, are similar from a physical standpoint, but Aller has certainly progressed uh, well into this kind of elite realm. Uh, Nick Singleton, you know, checks every box is what we talked about physically as well, right? We mentioned the 100-meter time. We talked about an elite short shuttle and and, and a very good uh, 40 time as well. So when these things start to come together and you're checking these boxes before you even turn on the tape and then the tape validates what you already seem to believe of the player physically and what the physical upside is, that's when you got something. Um, So... I think when you look at Penn state and obviously they've done a really good job of not only identifying the, these height, weight, speed, but these physical traits that they believe are valuable. Um, On top of that, not only do these guys possess those physical traits, they're really good football players with a lot of production and they've been doing it um, over, you know, two or three years.
1: We had drew Aller on this podcast earlier this week and, you just had those comments about him, and I think our listeners now firmly have two feet on the bandwagon, on the hype train, whatever you want to call it, as he gets ready to come to campus in January. Let me leave you with this, because there is a debate raging right now about this early signing period. Should it stay? Should it go? That it makes sense in the first place? You were on the other side of the college football industry when this went into effect. Can you take us through the pros, cons, and where you ultimately come down on this, if you have an opinion strongly enough one way or the other right now?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, initially, you know, there was a lot of thought um, for advocating for it because of, you know, really it was it was the group of five. What would happen is you kind of get through December and you get through January. And what would happen is there there was still another month of a contact period where a lot of these power five teams had kind of gotten through their initial targets and were able to come back around maybe on some of these G5 Caliber players, excuse me, that hadn't gotten the intention or haven't been evaluated to a certain extent uh, that they would be able to add uh, late in their class. So, you know, I think a lot of it was um, to really put in place a safeguard um, for some of these group of five type of programs and um, that would want to sign these guys earlier and not have to deal uh, with the fallout of maybe losing some of the players that they've been recruiting throughout the entire process process in the 11th hour. Um, I think what we're seeing now between, you know, it's been the unintended consequences, right, of uh, the coaching carousel. guys. October over in November and, you know, trying to fill those now within, um, you know, 24, 48 hours of, of conference championship weekend. Um, it's a lot to process and it's a lot to digest. Um, all I know is, you know, it's it's twenty four seven. It's three sixty five. We got spring official visits now. We got summer fi- summer OVS, and it's like, you know, when does it stop? When do you breathe? You know, and I think that's the biggest question. And you know, you see these like coaching salaries balloon, and you know, I'm I'm obviously a former support staff guy myself, so you know, I'm kind of trying to shed more light on the fact that. You know the, the infrastructure is not ready for now what the demand of college football um is asking for. I mean, there is so much going on in terms of like we mentioned in the transfer portal, name, image, and likeness, um, how quickly you have to turn around boards um and, and get guys on campus. Uh, and there's just not enough money um to pay enough attention to all these needs. Um, so it's certainly going to be fascinating. I mean. Uh, My only hope would to be that, you know, look, it's changing, whether it's for for the best or whether it's for the worst. Um, You know, that's up for the individual to decide. I just hope that administrations understand uh, that they need to change and they need to progress with the times as well.
1: Well, Cooper, we appreciate it. We're really happy to have you at 24 seven sports as a national recruiting analyst, part of that rankings council Big week ahead. Tell our listeners where they can find you on signing day. Uh, I know Steve's going to be involved in that it's a whole celebration down there.
2: Yeah, it's uh, so I'll be down in, in Fort Lauderdale and CBS headquarters uh, doing the signing day special first time doing it first time on TV. I guess they thought that'd be a good idea. So, uh, you know, we'll do a five, six hour type of deal and, um, you know, I have have a lot to talk about in in regards to Penn State, man. But uh it'd be me, Wolf Fong, uh, Josh Pay, Chris Singletary, Andrew Ivan. So be a good group, man. Looking forward to it.
1: That's a great, that's a great group. Rolling out our best. Uh, have fun. Uh look forward to the commentary down there. We appreciate all the stuff you gave us here on this Nittany Lions group. Take care. We'll talk to you soon.
2: Appreciate it, guys. Thank you.
1: Sean, you go through it, and there's so much to like about this group and how they could impact Penn State immediately in 2022. Um, anything particularly stand out from what we heard from Patagna during that conversation?
0: Uh, not particularly. I mean, there's a lot of things that that we've said that you know kind of bleed over, and we, the problem is we've talked about it so many times that uh, we're we're hearing a lot of these things not for the first time. Um, I know he he you know the stuff about Cam Miller. He really like Cam Miller, um, but uh, you look at the potential for an early impact from some of these guys. And I think he's probably, you know, when you're removed from it, you don't see what's in front of him or what's going to, what these guys are going to come in and and compete against. So just seeing the baseline talent and thinking that these are guys that can contribute right away, I think is a good thing from an outside perspective.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And, And I think what everyone's been wondering for a while now, because this class ballooned in the summer. And by the time we got to the season, it was like, how are they going to fit any other pieces in here? And the transfer portal is still a thing. And the transfer portal is definitely still a thing. It's Penn State's going to hit that hard, I would imagine. Enjoyed some success there last offseason. You're looking to duplicate it. But in terms of moving parts, Andre Roy uh, committed to Penn State out of Baltimore, offensive, offensive line prospect, was out at Southern California for an official visit. Um, he has moved around a little bit here as a commit, which is something that we're not accustomed to seeing um, based on what we usually hear in terms of the staff structure on such moves, but thus far he remains in the class and he remains weighing his options and putting feet on other campuses. So talk us through it.
0: Yeah. uh, Andre Roy went out to USC this weekend. I I think it, you know, you you talk about the policies and things like that, and it's obviously a case by case basis, especially in this, uh, in this cycle, he had taken some earlier official visits and, and, you know, kind of made it work at the end of um, at the end of the cycle here, he's been all over the place. I mean, we've talked about this before. He went to Maryland shortly after committing to Penn State. Um, USC is interesting. Obviously, they just had the coaching change there. Never really heard anything before that. Not even with Oklahoma, with the staff that or the, the coaches that went from Oklahoma to USC. Um, so that's interesting uh, from a Penn State perspective yeah it does matter where you go to school Saint Francis is uh, is a school you're not gonna try and and, and slip up with obviously Jay Sean Barham um, you know committed to uh, South Carolina over the weekend um, so they missed out on that one but they still want Roy they still uh, have some patching up to do in that offensive line room and yes he is a project but most offensive tackles coming out of the high school ranks are um, so they want to keep him they want to uh, you know sign him on Wednesday it seems like They've weathered the USC storm. Now, anything can happen with this kid. I'm not going to write this one off completely and say he's going to sign with Penn State on Wednesday. But as of right now, expecting him to sign with, with Penn State on Wednesday. And, um, you know, that's kind of been the case with um, this entire class. I mean, you look at how they built this one up for off of a four and five season. You know, we're the number one class in, in the nation for a, a sustained period of time, uh, still in the top 10 right now. Um, but uh, they've been able to get these guys across the line and weather some storms and and try and figure out, you know, which of these guys might be. I don't want to call soft commits or anything like that, but the guys that they need to shore up. So a guy like Zane Durant, um, who's a long way away, visited Miami, went to a game at UCF. Um, you know, he seems. Like he's going to sign on Wednesday. He seems excited about Manny Diaz. Um, obviously, had that connection from from visiting Miami and being recruited by Miami. So just those little loose ends that you need to tie up, especially with guys that you know either are far away from campus or they've been a little flaky. I mean, let's just call it like it is. I mean, that's that's kind of how these how these guys are. Most of them are seventeen year old kids. So um, they've done a nice job in in sort of putting out those fires and get them where they need to be going into signing day on Wednesday.
1: And you've heard you've seen a lot of these guys, the big time commitment state, tweeting out their signing day plans, locked in, ready to, to make it official on Wednesday morning. Usually it's done very early on Wednesday morning. And speaking of Wednesday, we do plan to, to come to you with a live episode format, something we have not done. We'll get details to you on that. We we, we think there's gonna be another episode between now on Monday and then on, on probably Wednesday evening when we would do a signing day episode. Uh, but more details to come on that. If you follow us on lines247.com, we'll, we'll make sure that we know on the message board. and and just stay tuned for an upcoming episode uh, between now and then where we'll get those details ironed out. Sean, one thing about that Andre Roy commitment and and whether that actually materializes on Wednesday is this program needs offensive tackles in a bad way, and and Andre Roy is not the kind of guy who's going to come in and be a plug-and-play prospect for you, but becoming more obvious and, and, and just across the board on the offensive line, just when we thought that the Ivy League quest was done for the Nittany Lions, they got a new offer out, not Harvard this time, Cornell.
0: Cornell, yes. They went uh well, remember they had the uh, commitment from Spencer Rollin for a long, long time. That one kind of went uh, parted mutually parting ways a couple of weeks ago. Um They, they went to Cornell, and you're going to make me say his last name, Hunter Norzad. I guess is his last sure name. Sure was going to um, make you do that, yep. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. Uh All Ivy League, uh, probably going to be a guy that, that – he played tackle at Cornell. Probably going to be a guy that's in the interior – just about 6'4", uh, played for Sean Cascarano, who if you're really, really follow Penn State football, you recognize as a GA from a couple of years ago, won a big 10 title with Penn State. Um, so it, it's one of those situations where you've got some connections there. This guy um, I think is, I don't wanna say better than Cornell because that's a thats a dig at Cornell, I don't wanna say that, but this guy is gonna be very, very sought after. in the transfer portal Iowa has offered since, Florida State's been kicking around, a couple of other schools are going after him as well. Penn State thinks he's one of the best offensive linemen in the transfer portal, and they need tackles. Absolutely they need tackles, but they need offensive linemen. They need guys that can come in and and compete right away and and try and make some things happen. So you might see some movement. You might see some movement in that room to begin with, Um, but uh, they'd love to get uh, Norzad down for a visit and then see what happens because they're, I would say, probably his best offer at this point, but I think other schools, big schools, are are, are, uh, peeking around as well or poking around as well.
1: One more note there that we haven't hit on the podcast. I've been late last week. Des Holmes, and Transfer Portal. We got the year six news from Sean Clifford in the affirmative. This is going to be a trend we start seeing here in the next few weeks to a month of, of six-year guys. Looking at year number six, looking forward elsewhere. Des Holmes, you mentioned you need, you need an offensive lineman. He's played some guard. He's played some tackle. Never broke through as a first-team competitor. Medical stuff involved there. But always kind of lurking a bit in the background when we have talked about the offensive line here at Penn State
0: just never made that leap and that was something that was it was I mean he spent two years as a reserve a top reserve and he was your third tackle which usually that means you're going to rotate in and be a starter at some point he just never made that that leap he went from tackle to play in the interior um you know obviously missed spring practice in 2020 like everybody else and then only played four games uh in 2020 during the regular season and then 2021 you thought that might be his coming out party his ability to, to be just be the number one guy Going into camp, hurt his foot, never played and basically never really saw um, the opportunity to start after that, which was it was kind of interesting because they seemed high on him. And I know some teammates were really high on what he was able to do. Um, could be a, a, you know, a product of a new offensive line coach, maybe not, you know, seeing what the other guy saw, but I mean, for, for all intents and purposes, Des Holmes went from a guy that was a potential starter after his red shirt sophomore season to a guy that really never played. And that's uh you know, that, that that career arc you don't see all that often, but it does happen. And then on Monday
1: morning, Taequann Robertson makes it four members of the Nittany Lions roster in 2021 to enter the trans portal. Uh, as the portal moves, as recruiting continues to, to take shape here up to Wednesday, make sure you're following all the action at lines 247com Signing day special going on right now, 50% off an annual VIP sub. Uh, we'll be back, Sean. I'm not quite sure when, but it's signing day week. It's hard to give uh, def- definitive time stamps on anything, but Uh, We got a lot of coverage coming your way on the site. We have more coming here online 24 seven. By the way, uh, was it a million uh, downloads that we've now hit for the podcast this year? Uh, Is that just- Yeah. yeah. So we appreciate everybody out there for for, for listening, for downloading, please keep doing it, tell your friends. And I think we're right up to about 100,000 views on our YouTube channel. So let's get those numbers up. Hopefully you all have seen that we're up there on video. And if you keep going back, God bless you. We appreciate that too. For now, on behalf of Mr. Fitz, on behalf of our producer, Lance Glynn, I'm Tyler Donahue, we'll be back real soon with another episode of the Lions 24-7 Podcast.
3: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road, any road, the steeper the better,